If you have an idea and you're excited about something, take the intro steps, do some research, and go connect with some people. And don't be afraid to talk about your idea. Don't be afraid to get feedback and share your idea and see how people respond to it. And don't be afraid to start testing and getting feedback. And feedback, whether it's good or bad, is great feedback. Hello, Riffs fans. We have a very special, very local conversation that is going to be going on today, or Riffs session is going to be on today with Kate Lloyd, owner, proprietor, I think those are synonyms, of Rise Bagel Company here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in the North Loop, right down the street from the Ovative offices. My personal, by far, favorite bagel shop in town. We're going to talk about building a business, one bagel at a time. Probably more than just bagels, but Kate, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being Glad here. Glad to be here. Thanks, Brandon. It was a, a long journey over, I know. <laughs> Very that, short. That uh, full block or block and a half. <laughs> Kate, I actually want to get personal right away here and share a story of my own, which is atypical, because I feel like I need to confess something to you. About three years, when, when did Rise start? We started at the market back in 2014. So we opened up our shop here in the North Loop in June of 2017. So this summer will be three years. Okay, so almost three years ago. And we'll, let's come back to the, not at all questioning the full history of Rise there. That's not my intent here. My intent is, again, to come clean so we can have an honest conversation today. Right around when you opened or just after, our mutual friend, Brandon Chu, also podcast extraordinaire and just great man, great friend, posted something on Instagram saying, Something like, best breakfast sandwich in town, exclamation point. And then, you know, tagged you and, and sure. Rise or whatnot. I had not been to Rise yet. I didn't know you. I'm from New York or New Jersey where mm -hmm. bagels are, you know, sort of different, more like Rise than the average Minneapolis bagel. And I responded and said, no way have you had the breakfast sandwich at Bewitched. <laughs> and I felt bad for a variety of reasons because one, like, why am I saying that? That's kind of negative, and this is a new business, a local business. Sure. I did really like the pastrami breakfast sandwich. Have you had it before? I actually, no, never had that one. It's pretty I, at one point, had a, had visited there for lunch a few times, but I've never done breakfast at Bewitched. Yeah. Well, they're, they're out of business. Yeah, I, I mean, fa that. fast forward three years later, they're out of business, and I've had probably more breakfast sandwiches at Rise mm -hmm. because I love it and I actually like it better mm -hmm. now than maybe any customer you've ever had in mm -hmm. history. I actually am curious if we could look at the books one day and just <laughs> see if anyone has actually eaten more consecutive Find breakfast sandwiches. Find the last sandwiches. four digits of your credit card number. Find oh, wow. all, okay. yeah, find all we'll, those transactions. This is good. I'm glad we got past that. Thank you for both <laughs> insulting me and forgiving me, it sounds like. <laughs> Let's dig more into bagels. Before yes. we talk about the building of Rise, I do think that our listeners would benefit from understanding the bagel, right? How it's made and what makes the Rise Bagel different? And maybe let's start with, I know that when I walk into a the Rise shop, bagel shop, is that? Yeah, bagel yeah, shop. Bagel shop, yep. great. I see a t-shirt always that I'm going to buy now. I don't know why I haven't bought it yet. I'm just <laughs> kicking myself. Where it is, I think, maybe you describe it. Sure. So people always ask, is your bagel a New York bagel? Is it a Montreal bagel? Well, 
Montreal and New York are two bagel meccas, and they each are well-known for their bagels. And each city makes a different type of bagel. So we had grown up eating New York bagels. We knew what those were like. Um, We had never tasted a Montreal bagel. So at one point during this journey, we went to Montreal to try a Montreal bagel. But what makes a Montreal bagel different than a New York bagel is really three key things. The number one thing is egg is traditionally used in the dough. The bagel is also boiled in honey. And lastly, it's wood-fired. So Montreal bagels are a very different experience. They are naturally a sweeter-tasting bagel. Hmm. Most often, they're not eaten with cream cheese. They're just eaten on their own. Hmm. Sesame seed is the most popular flavor. There's two really famous Montreal bagel shops that are open 24-7. You can go there any time of day, and they're selling like 10,000 bagels a day. It's absurd. Crazy. They're awesome. They're unique. They're um, The hole's larger. They're a little bit more dense. They're topped on both sides. So we, were, we really liked the idea of these Montreal bagels, but the goal was to create a better bagel. So what did we like about these bagels? What characteristics did we want to include in ours? Number one was ingredients. We care a lot about sourcing. We wanted to create a superior product, one that was organic. Organic flour costs double the price of what conventional flour is, but that was important to us. So organic was number one. We wanted a bagel that had a difference between the exterior and the interior. It needed a good chew. Your jaw should hurt a little bit when you're done eating a bagel. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't be <laughs> soft. I often, often call soft bagels rolls with holes because there needs to be a distinction between the outside and the inside. We didn't I want... don't know how people don't think about that more. How mm-hmm. do they not notice that? You know, some people, I, I've, I've had this conversation there. They don't, oh yeah, it's a roll or it's like that. So what? <laughs> yeah. But how do you, how are you not offended by the fact that that bagel is not chewy? Yeah. I think just growing up here, not having the type of bagel that we had tasted in other mm-hmm, cities mm-hmm. growing up, you kind of slowly realize that this isn't a great bagel. This mm-hmm. is just soft and this isn't a bagel. What makes this different than a bread roll? Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of different things that kind of led us on this journey, but... I like what's happening here because I realized that I'm just going to continually try and rile you up and you're just going <laughs> to roll right past sure. your totally even killed. I sure. love it. So, you know, when we were developing our bagel, again, organic, we didn't want to put egg in our dough. We didn't want to boil in honey. We wanted to make a vegan product too. And that's even more... Mm-hmm. I'm glad we made that decision because yeah. looking at our customer base today... Um, vegetarian and vegan customers growing, growing, growing. So that was a that was a good decision. Smart, yeah. At the same time, we wanted to create a bagel that wouldn't weigh you down all day. Sometimes you go to a New York bagel shops and you eat a bagel in the morning and totally. you're not hungry until 6 p.m. So we wanted one that was of a manageable size and topped on both sides and a little bit more dense, not as fluffy and big as, you know, as I just said, not a huge bagel. I'm going to go back to the T-shirt. Yeah. So... When you come into the shop, you'll see our T-shirt, Minneapolis, Montreal, New York. Well, New York and Montreal are crossed out. We love Montreal. We love New York. We're not ripping on those cities. We appreciate the bagel. We appreciate the heritage where it comes from, the story. God, but our, so nice. But our, we are saying with that T-shirt, because people ask, are you a New York bagel? Are you a Montreal bagel? We're saying we're neither. We're, we created our ideal bagel here in Minneapolis. It's not New York. It's not Montreal. It's made here in Minneapolis, just the way we like them. And it's it's local ingredients and represents what you think the Minneapolis locals want to be eating. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So our organic flour, unfortunately, isn't local. Bagels need high gluten flour. Our best source right now is actually, it's coming from Colorado. Oh, wow. So organic sometimes trumps local, local sometimes trumps organic. But that all of our seeds, you know, a lot of the seeds are sourced from all over the world. So organic in that case is trumping local. You know, listeners, I think this is a good takeaway from today's show, at least at least for me and, and hopefully you, to support Kate and support Rise and what is a thriving, awesome bagel shop. We can be confident that we have a bagel that stands up to the New York, stands up to the Montreal, finally. So thank you for that. You're and welcome. Go buy the shirt, go buy the bagels, because that's a big deal. I feel like, you know, as, as a person who lived on both coasts, New York, and then grew up in New Jersey, lived in New York City, San Francisco, bagels there, but just coasters, you know, there's the tendency to look at the Midwest as flyover states in mm-hmm. some cases, and even even uh, Minneapolitans, of that is what a person from Minneapolis is, but a Minneapolitan saying, oh, why would you move here from San Francisco? Why would you move from here from New York? One reason might be they don't have the bagels that they have, or we don't have the bagels that they have here. We do now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a statement that we can make, and I'm sure it's going to help with our recruiting efforts at Ovative in a big, big way. Thanks, Brandon. Okay, so you, you've broken down the bagel for us. Let's let's get into the bagels and maybe the growth of Rise because as Casey and Sam, our, our sort of team here, are well aware with me, I'm fascinated and envious of anyone who can build, especially physical shop, but any business from scratch. It is just so hard, both from a all aspects of being an operator and navigating through that, right? But also building a brand and a reputation and getting word out about it is just so challenging. Can you give us a little background? You alluded to it earlier on where did Rise start? You know, what was the rise of Rise and how you started to develop the the recipe and just ultimately decided to to start an actual shop? Yeah, we always wondered why Minneapolis didn't have a bagel we loved. And it led us on a journey of determining whether or not we could actually make a bagel we loved. So it started with some research searching recipes online, searching YouTube videos, and just trying to figure out how a bagel was made. So we would secretly get together on the weekends. This is my sister and I, and we would get together and just crank out recipes. And it was a big secret. We didn't tell friends or family that we were doing this. Any extra bagels that we made, we just handed out to homeless people on the street. So really, truly a wow. big secret. And this but, was a secret because you felt like you were onto something big here? Yeah, or? We, we really thought, saw a hole in the market, yeah. pun intended. Yeah. And we felt that we didn't want to come out and tell people about it if our bagel sucked. Got we it. had to make a good bagel. But that, <laughs> I, I, I love the idea, like the bagel making is sort of sure, secret. It's like, sure. you have, like you're stuffing it in your pocket <laughs> broker or something like that. Right. You know, so the mom doesn't see it or something, right. you know? So we got together that first weekend and we made four different recipes, all from different sources and, you know, made some modifications. But the, one of the four batches tasted like an Einstein bagel. We thought if we can make an Einstein bagel on attempt one, we're going, you know, we can, yeah. let's keep doing this. And not to rip on Einstein, but there really isn't a difference between the outside and the inside. It's a very soft bagel. It's not the kind of bagel that we love. So... That inspired us to keep working on it. So for about six months, we were tied up in a home kitchen working on a recipe. And when it got to a point- Still at your day jobs. Still at our day jobs, yep. And when we got the bagel to a point that we enjoyed, we decided that it would be a smart idea to start sharing with friends, coworkers, family. 
And around that same time, we applied to Minneapolis area farmers markets. I brought them to work one day and people really enjoyed them. Jen was getting feedback at her office and just started sampling and then told our family what we were up to. Cool. And then got in at the Fulton Farmers Market, which is a farmers market in South Minneapolis in the mm-hmm. Edina area. So we it's a big one. Yeah. So we launched that would have been the summer of twenty fourteen. And uh, we went from a at that point, a home kitchen to a commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. We had to scale our recipe, try to figure out how many bagels to bring to that first market. We also served cream cheese. So I think that first market we probably brought, my guess is probably 300-ish bagels. Wow. And a commercial that you rented space or something? Yeah. Okay, there's a, around the same time, farmer's markets were really blowing up, and there were a lot of commercial kitchen spaces that you could rent. And there was a great one in South Minneapolis, not far from this farmer's market, and after work on Friday, we'd get to the kitchen at 4 p.m. and we would go to town and make dough and hand roll bagels and carry the bagels tray by tray downstairs and put them in a big walk-in cooler. We'd wrap up with dough around 9 p.m., leave the kitchen, go home, and then come back at 3 a.m. and one by one carry the trays back up the stairs and wow. boil and bake them. Get to the market, sell the bagels. And then get back to the kitchen, clean up, and then go home. And you had no energy left at that point. But Were you covering your costs? I mean, obviously, your time aside. We were, let's just say we were kind of breaking even at the end of the day. But breaking even to to test and get get it out there is better than most. Yeah, totally. This is kind of how we operated. We got some great coverage at our second farmer's market. Rick Nelson from the Star Tribune ended up walking by our stand, bought some bagels, and he us in the paper that week. So that was some really great early um, media that really helped, I think, propel us forward. But that was the beginning of it. The question as time went on was, when are you going to open up a shop? Yeah, you know, that started was to get a in, following. Right. That was in 2014. And, you know, the summers were great. We were bopping around to different farmers markets, ended up also being at the Kingfield Market, which is also in South Minneapolis. In the off season, we did pop-ups around town with Dogwood Coffee. We did some pop-ups at the Wedge Table and at the Wedge Co-op. So that was a great way to meet new customers and um, partner with these great, great existing brands that have a bigger following. Yeah. Yeah. And the Wedge cares a lot about organic, right? Good sourcing. Dogwood Coffee serves coffee. And why not have a bagel shop pop up a complimentary product? So that was a good way to definitely, you know, grow our following. Yeah, totally. And then, so when did you get to the point where the following grew and it's like, this is too much to handle walking up these stairs, using this kitchen, we're breaking even, we could be making money. Maybe yeah. Let's, let's go do this. The question became from customers, when are you going to open up shop? Mm-hmm. And we knew when we first started, that was always the goal, though we didn't speak about that being mm-hmm. a goal. We knew we wanted to, if we could make it work. So the question became, should we quit our full-time jobs? We were both enjoying our jobs. Mm-hmm are we ready for this change of pace? Do we want to, you know, jump and go for it? Totally. So we started looking for real estate. In a place that is not known for bagels yet, right? Correct. So there's risk there. Totally. And the restaurant business, it's a hard business. There's low margins. You don't know what, you don't know what to expect. It's a lot of ups and downs. The weather can make a Mm -hmm. difference if people are coming out or not. The shop business though, I hear is quite good. Right? Yeah. Shop versus restaurants, maybe. Yeah. The other thing, I think, we were at the market every other weekend. You know, there was a 
a reason to come and stock up and buy bagels and buy cream cheese. Yeah. We might not be there for another two weeks. Mm. So, and we, Got at it, that I point, see. we're just selling bagels and cream cheese. So then there was this, what, what, what would happen if we were open every day and we were always a resource where people could come? How would yeah. that change yeah, yeah, yeah. things? Got it. Got and right. then expanding our menu, how would that change how people were purchasing Got bagels? It. Very classic retail questions right around that we think about all the time with our even much bigger clients around, you know, how often do you discount or have a promotion or how often do you even just make, in this case, make it available, mm-hmm. right? Which is obviously you're, grow, you're growing, you're following, it's working. You could keep going on that route and, and probably be successful, may take a little longer, but keep growing in a big way. Or you can take the leap to get out there and test and learn. Yep. And then where do you open up your shop? You've been pretty much situated in South Minneapolis. This is where all your customers are coming from the neighborhood. And granted, you're a destination too, and people are coming from all over. And we were lucky to get some spots throughout the years where, oh, we were on WCCO, came out and did a live shot of us at the farmer's market one day. And then all of a sudden, this a few hours later, there's a woman there from Minnetrista, you know. Hmm. So people could would come from all over. But then when we started looking for real estate... Where did we want to be? Where would our customers come? Yeah. Um, would we be too far? Yeah. What represents your brand right. or the brand you want or right. aspire to? Yeah. So that was a that was tricky. Got it. And you didn't, I imagine, select the cheapest place, much like your desire to have not the cheapest ingredients or or, or you know, parts of the bagel that make up the bagel. Yeah. So we we kind of, to be honest, we looked all over. We knew we wanted to be in Minneapolis. We knew we, that would be our first storefront. We love the vibe of the North Loop. It was still and is still continuing to evolve, but we found the space that had really great charm. I define it as old world meets new world. Yeah. And the space is great. It has, Minneapolis has a rich milling history. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're in the heart of it where all the flour used to be stored a block away was an old biscuit factory. Love the it. space that we landed in used to be an old candy factory. So we love the history. We love yeah. the vibe. I love architecture and design and just fell in love with the space. It was previously for 25 years a a retail shop. Mm-hmm. So we had to come in and build this whole kitchen. So it was yeah. quite a process. Make it your own. But while, yes, more expensive in terms of real estate, we got in at a good time comparatively to what it would be today, I believe. But at the same time, it fit the brand and fit the vision we have for the brand. Uh, we love the proximity to downtown for catering potential. The neighborhood continues to evolve. More people are moving mm-hmm, into it. Mm-hmm. So we love that urban feel of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about this even as we've built Ovative or I look at other brands. And like I said, I'm fascinated by the growth of small brands and how challenging that can be. One thing that I've observed just in my own entrepreneurial experiences, I guess, and validated through others is that confidence and belief in your brand and being willing to invest in it. And in Innovative's case, like we, I was just giving you a tour of our new offices, which is beautiful. Thank you. And it still feels so foreign to a lot of us who are here from the early days. But at each step, it sort of felt that way when we moved into a different space, even when it was very unimpressive, <laughs> because we we believe in it and we're investing in it. And it's been validated now time and time again. I think you guys went through a similar sort of thought process. But I think given that it was your first at bat at it and making that decision, it was super insightful for you to decide to invest, quote unquote, whether it was a deal or not. You know, you're you're investing and getting after it in a way that you, know, you believed in it. Mm-hmm. And that, that resonates. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. You're actually the second, by coincidence, uh, consecutive 
small business like founder that has been on the show. We had the founders of uh, Parallax, very different company. They're awesome. Listen to the show. Listeners, listen to the show. Although, actually, I think this is being released after that. So hopefully you listen to it. If you haven't, you should listen to it. Listen to both. Yes, there you go. And the observation that I had when talking to them, which I observe here too, is there is an authenticity and kind of belief or confidence that I think you certainly give off in your way and they gave off, you know, Dave and Tom in their way that definitely resonates. And, you know, by, by it's kind of funny to compare, but they talked about like a customer led to building product or technology and how they are so listening to their customers and so on. I, I think in many ways, like you at the you and your sister and, and the team, as you guys grew up, like at the farmer's market, you were listening, right? And decided now it's time because our, our customers are telling us that this is what they want, you know, which is most people are not as courageous or as just sort of like, I'm going to take a step back and look up and be aware, myself included here, to, to be able to do that. For sure. Well, I think that's true. And um, in terms of just getting feedback and showing up with our bagels and seeing what we'd sell, testing different cream cheese flavors, what did people react to? What were kids eating? What were adults eating? We're bagel purists at heart. We like the classic flavors, plain to everything, plain salt, poppy, sesame, everything. You won't find a sweet bagel. But you respect the sweet ones. You respect that. Yeah, we respect that. And if you come into Rise and you want a sweet option, we've got cream cheese and we've got a play on a Pop-Tart, our Pop-Art bagel, which is popular with kids. Mm -hmm. It has buttercream frosting Mm -hmm. and sprinkles. My daughter likes it. (laughs) Good. I'm glad. A lot of kids do. So that was a really good way to kind of figure out what people were interested in, who was requesting what type of bagel. Mm-hmm. We never put caraway rye on our everything. And that kind of, we kind of learned that that's kind of the way people liked it yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely being open to feedback. You know, we heard feedback as we moved into the North Loop. Oh, that's so far from our neighborhood. You know, hmm. wish you were closer. And at the end of the day, you can't please everyone. Totally. Yeah, I liked how you were describing the thought process around what area to go to, what's the right location and how you thought about, I'm sure there was lots of feedback that was being given then or unsolicited or, or, or solicited. And it's, it's fun to hear because especially as someone who lives here and, and, and a lot of the listeners of this show are, are folks that live in Minneapolis or, or in Minnesota, certainly it sort of represents what starting a company is like on a national scale too, or maybe even broader than that. Like what all markets? The same, yeah, what markets, what, you know, are my, you know, people in this states that love my brands as I franchise out or something like that, you know, are they going to follow us? Are they going to go with us? You know, it's, it's a very similar, not, I mean, maybe it's obvious, but it is a little, I hadn't thought about this, but it's a very similar thought process, sure. you know, as you're building the strategy and, and, and getting after it. For sure. I think about, as an example, I used to work at Room and Board, modern home furniture retailer, great, great products. Love the American outlet. made, yes. The I love the store, but love the outlet. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, Room and Board was selective in the markets they went into. I think about Portland as, as an example. Mm. Room and Board is now in Portland, but, you know, Portland loves quality, well-made, local. They're very local. So Room and Board, as they were entering that market, it's like, how do we, re- you know, we are, we work with small manufacturers. Mm-hmm. We produce producing in the state. So how do you really share, get your message yeah, out? Yeah. So I've thought about that. What if Rise were to expand and go into other markets? What would the, what would the reaction be? What would people appreciate or not? You know, did, if we were to ever step foot in yeah. New York, you know, bringing the Minneapolis bagel to New York, you know, yeah. every, everyone would have their opinion or their viewpoint on it. But well, I think you should have the confidence to do so though. Yeah. I may maybe go to a less competitive bagel market <laughs> first, if I'm honest, but sure. I think I would totally for support sure. you and advocate for, sure. for you with all my network there. 
So Rise has risen now in this sort of timeline that we've gone through. You know, if we take us to sort of today or the past couple of years where maybe, you know, Rise is, is a thing that people know about, obviously. Are you still having fun? Still encountering new challenges and, and opportunities? Yeah, still having fun. Certainly days change, moods change, you know, some weeks are better than others. Um, as I alluded to earlier, it's uh, the restaurant world is a, is a hard world. You know, you have, there are a lot of variables that you try to control and sometimes it's, you can't. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really important just to continue to support small businesses and think about how, how your actions may be impacting and your favorite restaurant. You hear about restaurants closing all the time. And how could that be? They mm-hmm. seem so busy yeah, and totally. every time I go, but I, it's I think because, that all the time. The yeah, because it, the reality is it's a really hard world. But in general, I'm still, yeah, still having fun, still so excited. There's, we've scra- barely scratched the surface of what we want to do. That's so, exciting. so many ideas. That's awesome. I describe it as being in a hamster wheel and finally you get a chance to break away and continue to focus on bigger picture things. And then you get sucked right in totally. to the hamster wheel. So where are you right now? Are you sort of just out or just back in? <laughs> <laughs> I just got out. Good. I just got out. That's exciting. But, um, yeah. So focusing on bigger picture stuff, continuing cool. to grow the brand. And cool. I, I love all of the themes that, that I think we could take away, whether you are a thinking about starting your own business, whether you're an entrepreneur, you know, within a bigger company and looking to you know, develop that spirit there. The, the, these focus on, you know, just getting started and putting in the work, right? I should have emphasized that earlier, like what I was hearing about you and your sister and what you were doing early on there to try it out and not make money and work basically two or two and a half chops probably is a lot of work. I think the authentic nature of and belief in something that you see people want, right? So there's two things there. There's you authentically believe in it and the brand and you're willing to take some risks because of it, but also you guys are smart. You saw that there was a need here. There was a hole in the market and you filled it and you were right. So I think there's a good combination of the just the, the practical mindset and the aspirational, passionate mindset coming together, you know, and there's, I think there's a lot of thinking and people that are way smarter than me that talk about how passion isn't enough. And I think validate me here or disagree that this is a good example where there was passion, certainly, but there was also, you guys are good at it and there was a real opportunity. For sure. I think it's a combination. I love listening to how we built this podcast and NPR and, 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 you know, guy at the end of every episode asks, was it luck? And it's like a combination of so many things. It has to be passion. You have to work hard because there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days, but you just have to keep pushing through. Yeah. So, yes, I think it's a combination for sure. You come from a background in PR and marketing at Room and Board and, and maybe elsewhere? Correct, yep. yeah. I am curious about this sort of building the brand and there's like getting it off the ground, which obviously you did. And then over the next few years and still today, you continue to sort of build the brand in both more grassroots and maybe more traditional ways. How do you spend your time or how does your team spend your time thinking about marketing as a small business and you know getting word out? Well, I think number one is thinking about the opportunity that's there and look at our business, thinking about all the people who have yet to experience a rise bagel, all the businesses who need catering. Yeah, market um, so, share is still there. Yeah, so 
thinking about all the people who have yet to have a rice bagel. Mm -hmm. There are so many who've not yet had a rice bagel, and that's exciting. Yeah, totally. So social media, of course, that's huge, a great way to connect with more and more people, trying to diversify the content there, not always just talking about our bagel, but talking about other philosophies we have. That would be key. Uh, Partnerships. To give you an example of a partnership we did, we care a lot about organic sourcing and care a lot about where ingredients are coming from, but we also care about waste. And a goal of ours has always been to eliminate food waste as much as possible. And we're a small batch bakery. We can't really control when people come in, how many bagels they're going to buy. Our goal is to have our baskets stocked with a variety at all time. But it's not something we can control. If somebody were to come in and buy 36 everything bagels and then the next person comes in and there isn't one. You're not a Dunkin' Donuts with like, you know, however many stores in a territory that you can, you know, have the capacity to do that. Right. So at the end of the day, our goal is to have zero bagels in our baskets. But sometimes we get it wrong. We're not, we don't have ESPing. We can't get it right every time. So with our bagels, as an example, if we have leftovers, we'll send them home with employees. Mm -hmm. We'll donate them. We've made bagel chips before. But one idea we had was making beer from old bagels. So yeah, so there's a, we had learned about a distillery in Northern California that was making spirits out of old bread. So that kind of led us on a journey of more investigation. And then there's a British brewery that was making beer from old bread as well. So we approached Modest Brewery, who's also here in the North Loop and using, yeah, great great spot. Yeah. Love them. They've always been super supportive. We love their beers. They're very inventive. And they um, are always coming out with new, new interesting things. So we approached them to see if they'd want to perhaps use our leftover bagels and collaborate on a bagel beer. We did, and we called it No Bagel Wasted. And 10% of the profit from that went to fund a local nonprofit called Twin Cities Food Justice. And awesome. they work to eliminate food waste. So that's a sort of partnership where we can reach a new yeah. audience Fight the fight the good fight and eliminate food waste and support the support local, a local community. Yeah, that's awesome. So that that's Which, by an the way, example. Is, is not it's a great example and it's not something that you know in New York. I'm sure that is happening in some cases, but in a lot of in many more cases it is not. Be, mainly because there's just so many different companies. There's so much competition. There's not the time or ability to have that friendly dialogue like it is in a city the size of Minneapolis. You know, which is not small, but does foster for that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. For awesome. sure. Yep. And I'd say in general, and we learned this when we first started out as a farmer's market stand, uh, people are super supportive. The community, our customers were supportive, but the food community, especially in that commercial kitchen space when everybody is brand new, kind yeah. of incubator doing their new product. We were in the kitchen lots of times when other brands were in there doing their thing. Hot sauce was being made while we were rolling bagels. Uh, granola, you name it, oat milk at one point. So that was kind of cool to see these other businesses, but people were willing to share their experiences with you, give you contact information on who to reach out to at the city if you had a question. So yeah, people want to help. People want to support. Yeah, that's one. It's a great reason to to be in Minneapolis and, and be an entrepreneur in Minneapolis. Last question for you. This has been awesome. And I appreciate you sort of sharing your story and just giving advice on what it's like to, to build a business, build a bagel shop in, in Minneapolis. You know, if you were to 
give advice to Kate seven years ago or something like that, or someone's going to start a new business in Minneapolis, any advice that maybe you probably already have given certain entrepreneurs, but you would give, give that Kate or give someone who's looking to start something new here? Yeah, I'd say if you have an idea and you're excited about something, take the intro steps, do some research, and go connect with some people. And don't be afraid to talk about your idea. Don't be afraid to get feedback and share your idea and see how people respond to it. And don't be afraid to start testing and getting feedback. And feedback, whether it's good or bad, is great feedback, right? Yeah. So accept it all and be Take it in. open. Yeah, be open to it. That would be one piece of advice. Another piece of advice is don't feel that you need to do everything. You know, you can simplify and you can start small and then grow and don't feel that you need to grow too quickly. Mm-hmm. Just take the time, be smart, smart growth, day by day. You're going to have some wins. You're going to have some losses. But just as long as you just keep holding steady and remain confident and keep working really hard, it'll go somewhere. And I always was inspired by driving my car or going to a restaurant, or putting on a new pair of shoes. And I always think about the person who built what I was using. A car wouldn't exist without Henry Ford. Hmm, yeah. You know, we wouldn't be sitting in this chair without Eames. So it was all because somebody took a chance and just went for it. Kate, thank you so much. This is so fun. You bet. Thanks, thanks for joining Early Morning Riffs. Thank you. Thank you.